Welcome to the Tradfest podcast, brought to you by the Temple Bar Company. Hello and welcome. And in this series, we're talking to husband and wives, partners, siblings or family members who work together and play together in the music industry. Today, we chat to two people who were described by the BBC as simply one of the best folk duos on the planet. High praise indeed. They are no strangers to us here on For Folk's Sake. We met Zoe Conway here last year and we'll we'll be talking to Zoe and her husband John McIntyre this week. And we might get the other side of the story from John actually after we hear them performing April in Roundstone. Thank you. 
Beautiful music there, April in Roundstone from Zoe Conway and John McIntyre. And I'm delighted that they're with us. John and Zoe, how are you doing? We're doing great. Doing thanks, very Kieran. well. Thanks a million. We're in lockdown, so we're being very well behaved and actually enjoying the time at home, to be honest. Um, we're, we're in the Cooley Mountains, as you know, so uh, we could be in worse places, I suppose. For sure, actually. And Zoe, of course, we spoke uh, last year uh, on this podcast and you were kind of filling us in a bit on your background. Just remind us, basically, you're, I, I would have always known you as a kid, like as a traditional musician, but that you had this classical, it wasn't style, but this command, let's say, of the instrument. So, in other words, you, you started out by learning both classical and traditional music. Why was that? I did. I mean, I suppose my first love uh, was and is traditional music and because that's what what I would have grown up with. Um, I was surrounded by traditional music in my house, Um, but I really loved the fiddle and I took it very seriously, you know, and then at the age of maybe nine or ten, I saw an amazing classical violinist on the TV um, and I thought, oh, I really want to be able to do that. So that's when I started my classical studies, if you like, and um, started doing all my practice and my scales and learning loads of pieces, loads of classical pieces. So I do have that kind of background of both traditions now, which I am really thankful for. I think it's it's a great asset to have some knowledge of both genres. And as a banjo player myself, very disappointed to, to know that you played a bit on the piano and a bit on the banjo. <laughs> but did you give up the banjo? <laughs> I did give up the banjo. I mean, I actually love the banjo. And I, I know uh, when I was like seven or eight, I saw a banjo for sale at one of those stalls at one of the flas, you know. And I said to my dad, oh, my God, I really want that instrument. And he said, well, I'll buy it for you, but only if you learn how to play it. So uh, he bought me the banjo and I just played it for hours and hours and hours and I was very good actually I loved the banjo um, but then I think in a way that helped me because as you know the fiddle and the banjo are tuned the same way in Irish music so when I lifted the fiddle I already knew how to play it so I maybe didn't have such a brilliant sound but at least I had all the fingerings so it kind of gave me that head start in the fiddle that when I began playing the fiddle I lifted it up I totally fell in love with it um, and I gave up everything apart from the fiddle. <laughs> So there's your first lesson from Zoe Conway. If you want to be good at the fiddle or violin, start on the banjo. (laughs) You heard it here first. Exactly, yeah. John, what about your own background? We're familiar with Zoe in the traditional music world, but your music background certainly was quite different. Yeah, I suppose I would have grown up and my father played guitar and he used to sing songs and he was always trying to get me to learn how to play guitar and I started around about eight playing and I started learning songs by the Beatles and rock and roll songs and that type of thing. And in fact, all of my father's family, they would have played guitar as well. So I would have grown up playing, I suppose, uh, uh, indeed a lot of the traditional musicians, uh, Steve Cooney's and, the, you, you know, we kind of, uh, we have a lot in common in that we start, we, we started playing rock and roll music and all the all the, the kind of contemporary music, the popular music, pop music, really, that, that's where we started off. And from that, we've kind of grown to love and appreciate all different types of music. And I just happened to stumble upon uh, a fiddle bear as, a, <laughs> as, a, as, as my wife. So um, I'm kind of uh, I'm immersed in it here and we have kids playing the harp and 
Owen plays the flute. Owen, Fiona, Fiona, our daughter, plays the harp and Owen plays the flute and it's lovely. Well, I, I should interject there and just say, you know, everyone says to me, oh, you're great to turn John into a traditional musician, you know, but actually, like, he would have spent many hours in sessions up in Donegal, in southwest Donegal, where his dad's from. So he actually had this incredible store and knowledge of traditional music and how to accompany it. Um, and he knows all those mad Donegal tunes <laughs> going back for yeah, years. But- so I, I can't be blamed for everything. So there's a thing, John, it's Donegal is your background. So what sort of influences? I know you said your father and the family all played guitars and you were into kind of rock music and pop music and all other sorts of music. Was traditional music part of your upbringing? It certainly was, yeah. Um, It kind of had, I suppose, in many cases in Ireland, you know, um, our parents, say, generation maybe didn't play, but, you know, my grandfather's generation, they would have played. So my granduncle... He was a very well-known fiddle player in southwest Donegal. He, an amazing man, and uh, uh, my grandmother, she was a singer and a songwriter, uh, you know, and she knew all the the old store from that part of the world. So I, it was it was there, um, unbeknownst, you know, dormant, yeah, yeah. I suppose. Mm. What would have been the attitude then if you were playing music that wasn't traditional music? Let's say, or I, I suppose all the time it was not the case of. I, I never really thought of music as being separate or the genres being separate. I mean, it took me a long time to sort of realise that people do box music in that sort of way. And uh, when I came around to that way of thought, I used to think it's it's a very strange way. And I still, to this day, have a very varied music collection. I listen to Indian music and classical music and jazz and, you know, all it's, it's a language in itself. And I suppose it's a very rich heritage and I think that you know I'd be one to try and embrace all aspects of music and all traditions and I'm excited by what I don't know you know and I think that's one of the joys about playing music. Yeah and it it has to be said that in in Donegal in particular like having spent a lot of time there now with John's friends and his musical friends up there are really open like they're looking for any kind of music and they'll play country and they'll play you know rock and roll and they play Irish and they seem to actually just embrace everything and I think that actually goes back to um, you know the people before them who would have been listening to radio from all over the world and trying to learn French waltzes and yeah. you know yeah that's true crazy pieces because they you know there is a tradition i know from southwest donegal they, they say that they have all these tunes that would have been learned uh, from the british army yeah. that the british army would have marched up and down the streets and they would have played the repertoire of the british army which in turn went into their fiddle, their fiddle music yeah. you know so it's uh, it, I th- it definitely has because if you go into a session i think up there you know they'll play the mazurkas and Scottishes and Germans and but they'll throw in the you wouldn't know what you'd hear in terms of a song and somebody's asked to sing a song you know that's the beauty of it though it's that fluid isn't it yeah I know it's, it's totally and I mean I suppose if we think of the tradition historically you know Mazurkas didn't come from Ireland or Scottishes or Germans didn't come from Ireland either you know so it's this whole growing and uh, the, the idea that uh, we're living through something that's alive and flexible and moving and th- there's room for movement and room for learning and room for uh, expression and creativity. We did well to make it our own though. 
<laughs> well, oh, yeah. you know, I think I think it's not hard to make something your own. You just have to do it, and you know, it's never going to quite sound like the original. Yeah. Apologies, that's my, my alarm went off there. I thought I cancelled it. That's okay. I said we're coming live here on for folks' sake. So the phone is actually going. That could be the crowd from Donegal. Maybe listing a couple of more tunes here, <laughs> John. They're giving out. But John, you studied classical guitar as well. I mean, people may or may not know that. I have. I started to play. I, I started playing guitar initially when I was around about eight. And I had... I immersed myself in playing guitar. I used to be castigated at home for playing guitar, you know, for my <laughs> breakfast. Will you put down the guitar and do your homework? You know, so I was constantly learning and trying to get better and such. And I, I suppose I was in my teens, maybe 13, 14, and I started to learn. I found a teacher for the, the that would have been the first teacher I ever had. And I started to learn classical repertoire. And I find even now when I'm at home, I love to play classical guitar. I love to play Bach in particular. And I just, it's what I'd be drawn to if I was to play on my own at home, you know. If you ever had the time. <laughs> <laughs> if my wife would ever let me, leave me alone. <laughs> I think I'll just withdraw from this one, anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other interview. But what's interesting then is both of your musical backgrounds is, is quite mixed, let's say, but how did you meet? We met one night actually in Dundalk, in the Spirit Store in Dundalk, and John Spillane was actually playing a concert. Zoe was actually with a company that I know. She was at a table with one of my friends. Actually, that was kind of the second time we met because we actually met when we were at school. When, when I was in the De La Salle College in Dundalk, there was very few subjects available at the time and music was not one of them. And I ended up having to sit my Leaving Cert practical in the Louis Convent. And uh, when I went in for the practical, I was finding, uh, looking for a, a music room for it to practice. And I know that the Louis were also very, very flexible with their students. So if they had a student that wanted to play or practice during the day, they were allowed to maybe miss a miss a class or if you know so zoe happened into the room and then uh, we we just uh, struck it off straight away and she started playing uh, some reels maybe the mason's apron or something like that <laughs> and we actually played a tune and then she was saying oh what are you playing there are you playing villa lobos or something like that so i played her some of the classical repertoire that i had for the exam nice was... way to warm up for the exam yeah. yeah, it was a good distraction. <laughs> so were you determined then when you saw her in, in the spirit store that you must go and speak to this woman again? No, nothing really happened that night, but I ended up getting, I said, she told me, she said, oh, I'm playing with these two Mexican guitar players. You'll probably like them, um, Rodrigo and Gabriela. And um, so then I went along to a gig. Uh, in Wicklow Street. Yeah, in Dublin. That's in, right. In Dublin, and then we we've been together ever since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was interesting because I was touring at the time with Rodrigo y Gabriela, and uh, John was touring with the Revs. So we probably were actually doing the same loop all over Ireland and even Europe at that stage, doing different festivals and stuff. But we hadn't really met up since the school time, you know. So. Um, it was just interesting that we were leading these parallel lives, I suppose. And of course, as romance blossomed, was the plan then that you may get together musically or was that a later plan? 
yeah, it's funny, like we, neither of us were setting out to try to find a musician partner, but it turned out that it was great because when John had to head off with the revs, let's say to Australia or England or wherever, and I had to head away off with Riverdance at the time I was touring as well. And um, so there was an awful lot of touring, but we kind of understood each other and we knew what went on on the road. And it was very kind of easy, an easy kind of um, partnership then because we kind of could support each other through it and I mean everyone knows everyone thinks it's all like glamour and rock and roll but we know different <laughs> and uh, actually we didn't start playing together musically for years until after we got married and um, then we we were like gosh maybe we could play like jigs and reels together or classical or jazz or whatever and um, so uh, it took us years really to get together or, or to get the music together and um, which is really unusual because I suppose everyone presumes that we got together in a session or something because we were playing together. <laughs> mm. What about the you're both composers as well so and John is a producer and all that sort of work how does that work for you as composers does one of you come up with something to and say here I, I'm after writing this piece maybe Zoe you'd be interested in playing it or Zoe you might say look I have this lovely lick uh, do you want to have a, a, a you know a listen to this on the fiddle and see can you do something with it it's it's I think it's different every time we try and compose something but up to now I think most of what we have been working on is Zoe has composed I think probably the bulk of what we what we do do together and that you know it's kind of more arrangement stuff that I have been doing but that doesn't mean that it's always the case yeah and you can often reach a, a brick wall you know so you might have a really great idea that lasts about eight seconds <laughs> <laughs> and then it's to bring that eight seconds into your two and a half minutes or your three minutes or your five minutes or your 10 minutes. It's to try and develop that. So, I mean, that's the, the nicest thing about being together as musicians in the house. And um, so I can say, look, I've got a first part, but I really don't know what to do with it. And John will say, oh, if I if I put this chord here, it totally changes the direction and you know it just opens up all these avenues that you can go down which were not even there before so um it's brilliant i mean that's the really the nicest bit about i think us being together you know is that two heads are better than one when it comes to creating anything and i think that shows in the music that we have managed to put together over the last while it's certainly the music that i'm most proud of i mean really what we want to do is well personally i suppose i i like to create contemporary traditional music um mm -hmm. and i think that's so important for our tradition you know that it's living and breathing and changing and um i think that you know with that in mind it's really lovely to be creating traditional music and trying to come up with new ideas and bringing it to different places and um, of course keeping the respect of the music there all the time as well um, so it's it's brilliant. I mean, at the minute, we're actually doing quite a lot of composing. Um, so, I mean, it's always difficult to find time, as you can imagine, with two children and everything else going on. Um, but I mean, I would have done a couple of hours yesterday in the morning composing and John did a couple of hours in the evening. So um, that doesn't happen every day, unfortunately, but we feel like we're kind of getting somewhere now. And speaking of putting work together and being creative, you came up with a piece called Fuish of Ayodse. Can you just give us a little bit of background to that? And um, so this 
This song came out of a project that we did with the brilliant Scots Gaelic singer Julie Fowlis and her husband Eamon Durley. Um, you know Eamon from Danu, of course, mm -hmm. brilliant baziki player, but um, they're also a couple, same as us, and uh, we, we would have been friends for years and we kind of thought that we would love to work on a project together. Um, and so we came up with this idea of taking Irish language poetry and Scots Gaelic poetry and trying to make them into songs. So we were trying to, I suppose, add to the the collection of of Irish language songs that are already there in a kind of a contemporary way way so um we we actually released an album a couple of years ago called Alt um, and that's kind of 12 of these poems that we've made into songs and Fuisha Viyotza was one of those. It's a Marcino Diron poem um, and it's a really gorgeous poem and um, I was just flicking through books and looking through anything I could to try and come up with ideas and this one just jumped out because it really suited being set to music um, and so I, I put the melody to it um, and then John came up with this beautiful arrangement of the chords and I suppose that's where this song came out of. Well, why don't we listen to Fuishiv Ayodza. Sun. 
Fuishiv Ayoitsadir from John McIntyre and Zoe Conway, and indeed for Julie Fowlis and Eamon Dooley, two couples in perfect harmony there. Uh, Zoe, you mentioned that John created the arrangement uh, for that piece. That's and right. John, you're, you're, another part of your life is actually as a producer, and I'm, I would imagine that you didn't get a chance to do much of that over the last 12 months, as you're really better off to be in a studio when you're producing. That's right, yeah, but actually we have been quite busy, even just fortunately enough, because we're together and because we're in the same bubble, we, and we're, we've been at home and we have equipment and we have a little studio, sort of a modest space, but it's enough to record a guitar and fiddle. And um, there were a number of film projects that we were finishing off and it came in really, really handy to actually have the equipment and the availability and the, the space and the time for it to put it when we didn't have any concerts or anything like that. So we've been really fortunate and it's always a pleasure to be recording. I've always loved recording and I've always loved sound and I've always been attracted to that. He knows how to work all this stuff, which is amazing to me because I know barely anything, but we, we were able to to do a few kind of major projects. We did um, a soundtrack for a Hollywood movie called Finding You, which is just coming out fairly soon, um, where it's a story of a fiddle player or a violinist rather from America who comes over to Ireland to learn how to play the fiddle. So I did all the kind of the violin and fiddle um, for the whole film. So John engineered every bit of that and emailed it all over to Hollywood. So that was amazing. And we also worked with Bill Whelan in lockdown um, he's doing a new animation movie of Riverdance and um, so we were able to record a lot of that material here and send it over again so it's been totally different obviously not having any concerts but at least we've been able to do these really fun projects um, online. You also mentioned that you might go to the studio at home there and do a bit of composing in the morning, John might do it in the evenings. Is it, dis is it a discipline? Do you decide look I'm going to work from 10 until 12 today, tomorrow and Friday, let's say, and John decides he'll do the opposite days, or is it as you feel it coming? Um, well, you know, ideally it would be as you feel it and you could just create when you're in the mood for creating. But unfortunately, it really doesn't work like that. And it's all deadline driven, <laughs> if we're honest. But um, we have a couple of CDs that we're working towards recording. So we really need um, some new material for that. And I suppose these are deadlines that we've put on ourselves, but yeah. it does really help us to compose. And at the minute, I'm doing a residency on, in Anton Arts Centre in Dundalk. So um, I'm actually in there for three months. So in the mornings, I'm in there working away uh, four or five or six or seven hours every day, just trying to come up with new material. So I'm really lucky that I can do that. So the reason John isn't doing that is because he's doing everything else. <laughs> and that's why he gets to do a bit in the evenings. Yeah, but I, I think that, you know, that it's a really important place is to have that structure and to figure out, you know, I am going to spend this time because mm -hmm. I do find that when you do that, it's actually after it, maybe that the idea will come. So you need yeah. to sort of instill a sense of active working in order for the 
beauty and the creativity to flow through you. You need to mm. be ready for it, you know. Yeah, and it, do, it takes hours and hours. I know, like, John Cleese has a brilliant uh, talk up about creativity, but he says one of the crucial things is that worth work ethic, you know, that you actually sit down and put in the hours and then you'll get the magic at the end of it. You, you may, you know, but you've got a much better chance of getting there if you kind of struggle away every day doing just you know knocking your head off a brick wall <laughs> which what which well, it does feel like sometimes so it but it's going to change i'm just curious now so from both of your point of view uh you'll be back on the road at some stage everyone expects that everyone will be back on the road at some stage will anything have changed in your sort of discipline uh when you get back on the road will you decide that you'll tour for a certain length of time and take other time off the road and compose and work or have you, have you plans around that or will you just go gigging? I think we both feel that when lockdown happened the first time, we couldn't believe how busy we were. We couldn't believe how much work we had in. We couldn't believe how much work we still had to do and how long it took for us to get through the bit of work that we had to finish. And um, I think we both agree that maybe we'd try our best not to go as mad as we did yeah i suppose it's a bit like a wave and you know we've spent our whole lives trying to be professional musicians and trying to live off our music so we never said no hardly to anything and it's all everything we're asked to do or invited to do it's an honor and a privilege and we're delighted to do it um but it ended up that we really just kind of probably took on far too much <laughs> and it was hard for the balance with kids and everything else so um i think we've decided now that we'll we'll really try and just slowly take work on again and really consider everything and maybe some things might be better to leave you know push off for a little while into the future and so i think we might take it a little bit easier from here on and as music careers go would you recommend a, a music career for young people budding musicians um, it's, I, I suppose it's changed an awful lot since I would have started on my journey with trying to become a musician and trying to become a songwriter and trying to looking for a publishing deal. Like when, when I started off, it was more viable. Yeah. But um, I mean, it's always there's always plenty to do in terms of being a musician. You know, it's a, it's a it's a joy for us. It's been it's been a lovely time for us yeah, and we been, still enjoy it. Yeah. And it's never been a problem it's for us. It's never been difficult. I mean, I suppose I say a lot of mummies and daddies will ring me because I, I've taught a lot. I have lots of little students. Well, not right now, but over the years I've had. And and they always ring me and they're like, oh, my God, my daughter wants to become a fiddle player. You know, this is what she wants. And can you talk sense into her? <laughs> and I'll say, well, you know, you're lucky that your daughter knows what she wants to do. And you should just allow her to do it because you know, I just think you can't shape your children too much. You have to allow them um, these, you know, to, to figure out what's right for them. And and maybe they're right. I mean, maybe that is a, a great thing for them to do. I mean, the, the main aim for everyone is to be happy. So if 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 this if it means happiness for these people, then brilliant. But it's not an easy life for anyone. I mean, it's it's not an easy way to make a living and it does take an awful lot of work, but no more than probably anything else. So, I mean, I, I think it's a lovely thing to do and I, I would encourage all people to, to do it if that's what they really like. Um, so it might not be the playing in the spirit store or playing in, you know, 
Vicar Street or whatever, it might not be the route that we took, um, but there's certainly an appetite for new music and for content, I mean, and for beautiful music. And um, people are just dying for it, I think. Speaking of content, and if people want to hear more about you or read more about you or hear more of your music, I'm assuming that you have a website that people can access or Facebook page. Yeah, we do. We have Zoe Conway and John McIntyre Facebook page and also a website, which is zoeandjohn.com. Well, that's fairly, fairly easy to, to figure out. Uh, the three-month residency, Zoe, yeah. before you go, uh, you're into that at the moment. You said you're composing maybe a 30- or a 40-minute piece. Do you write just the melody and get somebody else to arrange it for orchestra, or do you write all the orchestration? Well, yes. I mean, I have never written a full piece for orchestra before, but I have written for a string orchestra, which is, you know, your double bass, cello, viola uh, and two violins um, and then myself and John. So I, I would be fairly confident with taking on that much. Um, writing for trumpets and percussion and tuba and all of that is totally alien to me. But I mean, not that I wouldn't maybe give it a go. I mean, what I'm hoping is that I'm going to create the melody, which I've almost already done and then that John can help me with the choral arrangement and then I'll maybe kind of fill in the gaps as much as I can and then hopefully have a mentor that might help me get the piece to the orchestra um, over the next maybe 12 months so this is a very long-term project for the RTE Concert Orchestra and um, I'm just hoping that I'll be able to get that much done um, in the, over the next year or so but it's a very exciting project because um, we're actually getting a film made of of a local fiddle player who you probably know, Jim McKillop. Um, he's an amazing violin maker. And uh, we're actually gonna get a, a film made of him making these beautiful violins from a literal block of wood um, into a finished instrument. Um, and it's gonna be kind of like a slow moving film over the 30 or 40 minutes. And then my music will accompany that. So um, it's really a gorgeous project. I'm so excited about it. And um, I'm slightly worried about the orchestration, but... <laughs> <laughs> we cross that bridge. We cross that bridge. We come to it. Uh, it's been a pleasure to meet you both. Great to talk to you both. And we're going to finish with a piece called Tiger Rag. John, maybe you'd like to introduce that. Oh, I certainly would. Yeah. So this is, I suppose, when we did start to play music at the very beginning, we were listening to a lot of music, jazz music, mostly, I think. And mm -hmm. it was sort of um, guitar and fiddle based. And we were thinking, well, what can we do? And what styles, so one of the people that we sort of honed in on was Stefan Grappelli, Django Reinhardt. And um, we just loved this track in particular, um, Tiger Rag. It has wonderful arrangement for fiddle and guitar. And just, it's I think it's one of the nicest things that Stefan Grappelli and Django Reinhardt did. Yeah, and we, we <laughs> loved it because it's quite playful and... Um, it's really good crack for us. Like, and another thing we loved about it is that, um, that both instruments have a very important role. So it's not just melody and accompaniment, like typical guitar and fiddle. Um, it's more like a duo. So we, we got very excited with this piece. And when we recorded it, we, the first time we did it was for Balcony TV. Um, they had a lovely place on Dame Street in Dublin out on a balcony. And it went kind of viral. I don't think things actually, that viral wasn't a word when we did this, but anyway, <laughs> it went all over the world and uh, it got loads of views and then people thought that we were jazz musicians which of course we're not <laughs> and we kept getting asked to do these jazz gigs that we couldn't do <laughs> <laughs>
Well, look at uh, John McIntyre, Zoe Conway. It is a pleasure to meet you here. And maybe, Zoe, we, we might see you getting back to the banjo at some stage. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Kieran. It's million. been a pleasure. Thanks a million, Kieran. Sorry. for listening to the Tradfest podcast. For more information on Tradfest, go to tradfest.ie. Tradfest is brought to you by the Temple Bar Company.